Hello and welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast, your source for school-based occupational therapy tips, interviews, and professional development. Now, to get the conversation started, here is your host, Jason Davies. Class is officially in session. Hey everyone, and welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. My name is Jason Davies, and I am your host, now and forever, of course. Today, we have reached episode 40. It's fantastic. I'm excited because, I mean, we're on episode 40. Every time we kind of hit that milestone with a zero at the end, you know, a tens, um, it just feels really good. And so I'm happy to have all of you joining with me. Um, I'm also excited today because uh, my wife and I, we went out and actually adopted a puppy. His name is TJ because he's from Tijuana. Uh, I'll have to put a picture of him up on social media so you can all meet TJ. But uh, he's been a handful uh, getting to start training him and all that good stuff. So I've been a little lax on the OT schoolhouse, responding to emails a little bit. It's been a little crazy around here, but uh, thank you for your patience, and I will have to introduce you all to him. You might be able to hear him walking around in the background. He's still a little anxious, so he's hovering around us. But anyways, today I am welcoming on a new friend of mine from Arkansas. His name is Billy Hatridge, and he actually reached out to me with an article about handwriting and autism and how they go together. And... You know, I thought you guys would probably like to hear it. So we're actually going to review that together today. The article is titled Hand Strength, Handwriting, and Functional Skills in Children with Autism. And so we're going to go over that here in a minute. But I do want to let you all know that Billy is a man of many hats. And today he is putting on his autism specialty hat as well as his Handwriting Without Tears certified hat, if you want to call it that. Billy is also the blogger behind the OTDad.com, as he'll share a little bit more at the end of the episode. I just want to let you all know that you can go there. He has some actually pretty cool blogs. He kind of, well, you know what? I'm not going to share it. He does share with us a little bit about his story right up here front at the beginning of the episode. So have a listen. I hope you enjoy a little bit about the article. There's a link to the article. It is an AJOT article, so if you're an AOTA member, you obviously have access to that. And there will be a link in the show notes. You can go to otschoolhouse.com forward slash episode 40. And yeah, it'll be really simple to uh, pull up the actual article so you can read it for yourself or just uh, take a look at the charts and highlights. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Billy Hatridge, occupational therapist from Arkansas. Hey there, Billy. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, Jason. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. You know, this is the first time that we're going to have a guest on today to share with us a little bit about a about a journal article. And so I'm happy to have you on so we can kind of do a little give and take about what we learned and what we liked or didn't like about this article, which is a kind of cool thing that we get to do here on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So before we jump into the article, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce a little bit about yourself in the OT world? All right. Uh, my name is Billy Hatridge. I'm an occupational therapist in the public schools of Arkansas. I've been doing this for about six years now. Uh, in 2015, I became a certified autism specialist uh, to the International Board of Continuing Certification, Continuing Education Standards. Uh, <laughs> it's a mouthful. But then this year, I became a, a certified through Handwriting Without Tears. And so I supervise a team of four OTAs. Uh, we cover seven school districts, which some of those districts are real small. You might have like two or three kids in the whole district. Uh, we're talking about the mountains of Arkansas. So it's a lot more driving uh, than treatment some days. But yeah, it's good. Uh, I enjoy it. Wow. Okay. So out here in California, we can actually only supervise. It just got raised from two to three occupational therapy assistants. But 
um, I know from my experience, the more assistance you have, the more meetings you end up sitting in. Right. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, th this, this career change happened for me about a year ago when I went into just a supervision uh, role. So seeing how different therapists do different things as far as their treatment, as far as their approaches, and then being able to be involved in the plan of care, so that means students. Uh, but the end of the work week, it's a lot more just reading through documentation, meeting with OTAs, and being in those IEP meetings. So that takes up the majority of my work week. Yeah. All right. So today we're here to review an article. It's called Hand Strength, Handwriting, and Functional Skills in Children with Autism. And if I remember right, this was from 2015. And real quick, just to give them their credit, the authors are Michelle Alaniz, Eleanor Gillette, Marina Isabel Necesito, and Emily Rosario. So I'm sorry for any of you if you're listening and I slightly mispronounced your name, but they are the, uh, the primary authors on this research that we're about to look at. So, Billy, what, what did you or what drew you to this article? Well, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, the certified autism and handwriting specialist. So this was like right in that niche for me uh, in terms of both of those areas, because a lot of times in my clinical view, I kind of separate those two. You know, I have my spectrum caseload here, then I have my handwriting here. And so to see these two combined and see kind of the correlations that they found within the study was, uh, was pretty insightful. Absolutely. And so I'm going to let you review a little bit. I mean, oftentimes when we talk about articles, we kind of look at that PICO. And so what kind of population did they have in this article? Well, the population they're looking at, you know, kids between the age of four and 10, um, 24 of those being typically developing, and then 27 of those children uh, being on the autism spectrum. And several of their, their typically developed children, I do believe, came from children of the staff there at the facility. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. And then the kids with autism were actually kids that they were treating at the clinic. At so the it was very clinic. much a, uh, a, a population that they had access to. Right. And, and I know that they're talking about how they, they kind of excluded several kids on the spectrum due to uh, limitations in comprehending the instructions and the communication and the ability to, to participate in the testing protocols that they provided. Absolutely. All right. So that's kind of the population that we're looking at. And so this study, we didn't actually look at an intervention, uh, but we did look at comparisons. And if you'd like to talk a little bit about um, what, what, they're, what they were comparing. So what they were looking at was the pinch and grip strength and its relationship to handwriting and functional skills uh, between both typically developing children and children with autism and trying to figure out if there is a correlation between things like grip and pinch strength and then the ability to write legibly and to be independent in those uh, activities of daily living. Yeah. And, you know, looking at 2015, when this research was done, you would have thought that maybe they had some norms as far as pinch strength and grip strength by the time you got to 2015, you know. Uh, but when it came to children that, with autism, they really didn't find anything as far as consistent scores or norms for kids with autism. In fact, I think some of the articles that they mentioned, like everyone was using a whole different way to measure this. And so there was no consensus on even how to measure grip strength. So they did reference that. I'm not going to go into detail, but they used, they used a consistent way of measuring the kid's strength, both with the, um, the dynamometer and the pinch 
mechanism that they use. So, right, and I think we see this trend a lot in, especially our OT literature. Right, is is there's not enough evidence to back up um, kind of what we're suspecting, and so more and more research like this needs to be done because one of the things they said here was that there's not consistent, reliable information on pitch pinch strength norms for children. Um, that's crazy to think about it, right? Like for us as OTs, we do so much pinch activities in the schools. And for them to say, look, there's not enough reliable information on even knowing what those norms are. You know, yeah. so if I were to sit down and test a kid on their pitch strength, I wouldn't have a clue or wouldn't have enough evidence to base that off of. Uh-huh. And that's not just autism. That's just kids in general. Yeah, that's just kids in general. You know, that was just a typical population. So that's kind of amazing to me that, you know, it's 20, this 2015 now. I'm curious what they've, you know, how much has yeah. changed. But uh, in 2015, you know, there just weren't pinch norms for for children, typically developing children. So, yeah, surprise, surprise. So, going a little bit deeper, what other outcomes did they use to kind of look at the the correlation between pinch and, and grasp, as well as the handwriting legibility? So, like you mentioned earlier, um, with the strength, they used the Preston Jamar hand dynamometer and then the pinch meter. Um, you know, those are the Patterson medical brand stuff there. Uh, now it's just to get their measurements. And then they use the, uh, the VMI motor coordination subtest to look at the pencil control. And I think that was kind of the, the big, you know, standardized norm referenced uh, paper protocol that they used. And then they used the etch, the evaluation of children's handwriting uh, for the handwriting legibility. And then they, had created a questionnaire to get the ratings on the ADLs, which yeah, were I believe that was a, a parent yes. completed in-house created um, parent questionnaire, basically questionnaire, and it said 27 items on that. And I kind of wish they had described that a little more in detail since it was something that they made in-house uh, just to kind of know what that looked like specifically. But yes, I agree. Um, and maybe, we'll, <laughs> maybe after this podcast, someone will reach out to us and say, Hey, I can share it with you. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, uh, if, if that happens, we'll be sure to get it out as easy as, as easily as we can, if possible. Um, so let's talk about a little bit of the outcomes then. So when it comes to strength, we already dipped into that just a little bit, but what else did they find? So one of the big things for me that was shocking, um, in terms of their, their out, outcomes was that the pin strength did not have a correlation with pencil control that it was the grip strength that had a bigger impact on writing legibility and pencil control than the pinch did. Uh, and that was for both the typically developing and then the uh, children with autism. And I think that for us as school OTs, we fall into that trap of when we're working on that pressure, we use so many pinch-based activities. And you know, their, their study here is kind of showing that it's a lot more based on just that whole hand grip strength in terms of that pencil control. And that was my big takeaway from that, just in terms of what I do on a daily basis. Yeah, and I believe that was on the VMI, right? Yes, and that was on the motor uh, coordination on the VMI. That's where they found that. Yeah, and if I remember right, on the edge, they found that grip strength overall correlated um, with the edge scores, and they looked at the uppercase, lowercase, and numbers on that those subtests. But they found that in just the group with autism, that grip strength did not correlate with the legibility of writing. And so again, right. same thing like you're kind of talking about a little bit of inconsistencies between whether or not it correlated with um, typical kids versus kids with autism. Yeah, you know, they, they made quite a bit of mention when they talked about the limitations of the study about how complex both handwriting and autism are. Because, you know, as we know as OTs, 
handwriting is not just motor. There's so many more elements to that. There's the sensory elements, there's the visual elements. Uh, and so they're only able to look at those, that one specific category with the handwriting. And so the, the fact that grip strength correlated with the typical peers, but not with those with autism, definitely shows that, you know, there's a lot more things influencing that handwriting when it comes to, to autism, um, as yeah. far as the, the illegibility of yeah. the writing. And, you know, that kind of goes with the whole, as occupational therapists, we have, you know, this PEO model, we have other ecological models that take so many factors into place. And we can't just look at grip strength or just look at uh, their pincer grasp or something, you know, there's so right. many other factors that come into play. Um, cognition, you know, is a huge factor. And they tried, if I remember right, they tried to account for that as much as possible by making a cutoff or if you want to say exclusion criteria. But even then, I think I remember the limitations that there was still a correlation between understanding of the task and, and overall grip strength. And so you just see that kids, of course, you know, if they don't understand how to uh, do this, how to use the dynamometer, then, you know, is their strength really going to be right. what it should be? And that was one of the big things they had mentioned, right, was, was the children's inability to follow the directions to the T um, and that impact on especially the getting those grip and pinch strength. Yeah. One thing that really stood out to me and as far as the strength was that the hand and pinch strength patterns were similar in the sense that, you know, kids with autism as well as typical, typically developing kids both increased their strength as they got older. However, the kids with autism were always lower at the same age, and they were also very inconsistent. You know, they were doing the average of three scores when it came to grip strength, and the right. kids with autism were just like all over the place as far as their inconsistent ability to provide a similar score each time that they were tested. And so that's, that's pretty, you know, influential. And I think that's one of the, the, the tricky parts about, you know, doing any kind of study with children on the spectrum and anyone who's worked in that population knows that minute by minute, it can be a very different kid that you're working with, you know, consistency um, in these kinds of tasks can be very tricky when working with those, uh, those types of kiddos. So, yeah. So that kind of sums up the article, I think. Going forward, what are you taking from this article and implementing as your role, either as an occupational therapist providing the therapy or even when you're working with your assistants? Uh, yeah, can I stop you there real quick? There was something I want to jump on in the limitations yeah, go for uh, it. that they had mentioned. And they had said here that they did not complete any visual perceptual testing. And so they know that they're limited in their interpretation of the uh, – the handwriting part because they didn't do any visual testing. And I was wondering why they didn't go ahead and at least do the visual perception subtest. Mm -hmm. You know, it's two minutes. It's not going to take that much extra time. They're already doing the motor coordination test. Uh, and so, you know, one of the, uh, the writers is listening in. I, I would definitely like to know, you know, surely they had talked about it and why they had left that out just to kind of be able to get, get those numbers on the, on the visual perception part. Yeah. And you know, that also, talks to what we do going forward. And, you know, we need to make sure that we're doing a visual perceptual test with the, with the kids. Um, and of course they also didn't do the visual integration part of the actual test. They did the motor coordination, but not the actual part to see if kids can copy, um, you know, overlapping circles and all the good stuff that right. is in that one. For those of you who aren't as familiar with the, the VMI coordination, what that is, it's almost kind of like tracing or staying within the lines of something. So it's very, 
all the material is right there for you. All they were really testing was, is that, that really um, pencil control. Can they stay within the lines? So yeah, definitely. I, I see what you're saying there. And it would be nice to know a little more visual perceptual skills and visual motor tasks for these kiddos. So moving ahead uh, for our OT practice, I think the takeaway for this study has more to do with the handwriting interventions than it does with the autism. Uh, the study found that there wasn't as big of a correlation with students with autism when it comes to grip and pinch strength. There's a lot more factors to, to focus on there. And you know, with autism, there's so much in the grand scheme of things Absolutely. that you're addressing. But when it comes to the handwriting, you know, we have more and more and more kids who are coming to our caseload who that's the that's the point of, of what we're doing with OT. It's going to be kind of backing away a lot from the, those pinch activities, the fingertip activities, and working more on just building up that general hand strength, I think. Because I'm looking at their implications here, and it's, you know, grip strength correlates with pencil control. Grip strength correlates with handwriting ability. Grip strength correlates with functional abilities. And so it all comes back to this, the strength of the hands. And so I'm definitely going to get my kids out there monkey bars a lot more, I think, in terms of uh, the handwriting instruction, those kinds of activities. So Definitely. I love it. Some of those more more child-friendly occupations, you know, not just sitting at the table working on pinch and working on just handwriting, handwriting, more handwriting. So, right. yeah, I definitely think you're right about that. All righty, man. Well, I think that kind of sums up what we're talking about today. Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to let people know if they have any questions for you specifically, where they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so the OT Dad is my social media handle, and that's for you know Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, the whole shebang. I have a website or a blog, more specifically, the otdad.com. And you know, I found working in the schools, our communication with parents is very limited, and so I kind of created up the Facebook page to help share resources and links and articles with my parents, and then it kind of grew from there. And so, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out to me and see what I'm doing over there, uh, they're more than welcome to. Like I said, handwriting and autism is kind of my my passion project, so uh, I love talking about it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing this article with us. We really appreciate it, and I hope to see you again soon. All right. Well, thank you, Jason. I'll talk to you later. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to Episode 40 of the OT Schoolhouse Podcast. And a special thank you to Billy Hatridge for coming on this show. Again, he is from the OTDad.com, and he's actually the one who reached out with this article to me, and it was great to have it. I hope you all enjoyed and learned a little bit about handwriting and autism and hand strength. So it was great. I hope you're enjoying this little journal series that we're doing here on the OT Schoolhouse Podcast. And uh, yeah, take care. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the OT Schoolhouse Podcast. For more ways to help you and your students succeed right now, head on over to otschoolhouse.com. Until next time, class is dismissed.